Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This was what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. You may be seated. Thank you, Julie. As we get seated, let me pray for us. Gracious, loving Father, we thank you that the things that many prophets and righteous people long to see, we get to see now. And so, Lord God, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that seek to follow you. And when you be with the kids downstairs, that they would see you in all your splendor and beauty as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Sam. I'm on the team here. I want to add Brett, uh, my, my welcome to Brett's welcome. We're in the series on the parables of Jesus, and today we're looking at the parable of the sower. We're going to be talking about seed and soil and farming. You see, the parable of the sower is one of those parables that have had many different interpretations over the years, hasn't it? I imagine all of us in this room, we've got different ways of understanding and interpreting this parable. So for our time today, we're going to start by trying to get all of us on the same page. I want to get all of us on the same page by establishing the main point of the parable, and then we're going to look at how we're supposed to apply this parable. 
So for those of you who are taking notes, who just want to know what's going, coming ahead, our three points for today are this. The main point of the parable, God's gift and our responsibility. The main point of the parable, God's gift and our responsibility. So to our first point, the main point of the parable. For those of you who are just joining us or you're still not quite sure what parables are, parables are stories with a purpose. Parables that were stories that Jesus told based on situations that his listeners could identify with. Stories about seed and soil and and farming and and shepherding and finding things you've lost and parent-child relationships or even boss-subordinate relationships. In each parable... Jesus had a main point, and so we need to identify that main point so that we don't over or under-interpret what he's trying to say, so that we don't miss the mark. Our parable today is about a sower sowing seeds, meaning scattering seeds to plant them to harvest later on. And as, as the sower sows seeds, these seeds fall on different types of soil. Some of the seeds fall on a path and are eaten up. Some, some fall on rocky ground and, and, and dry up when the sun comes up. Some, some seeds fall on thorns and so are choked. And some seeds on, fall on good soil and produce fruit. And here's the main point of the parable. The main point of the parable is an instruction to receive God's word well. The main point of the parable is to receive God's word well by listening well. Be like the good soil. Verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. That summarizes the point of this parable. He who has ears, let him hear. The seeds represent God's word. And the focus of the parable is on the different types of soil and how the different types of soil receive the seed. Jesus says, be like the good soil. Receive God's word, the seed of God's word well, by listening well. And we want to be clear here, listening well means more than just hearing. Listening well means hearing and understanding. Not just hearing the words, but understanding the message. Look at verse 19 of chapter 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Don't be like the path, which hears but does not understand. In fact, listening well means more than just hearing and understanding. It means applying, acting on what you've heard. Earlier on in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus puts it this way. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Put it this way, if an announcement suddenly sounds out and says, everybody, get out now, the building is on fire, what does listening well look like? You have to hear the the message, you have to understand the message, but then you have to get out. (laughs) If you haven't gotten out of the building, you have not listened well, because listening well means hearing and understanding and then applying responding, doing what the message calls us to do. So today's parable is about an instruction to listen well. 
Specifically, we're to listen well to God's Word, which our passage describes as the message of the kingdom of heaven. The message of the kingdom of heaven is the good news that Jesus has come. Jesus has come to inaugurate, which means to to start, to begin God's reign as the true and rightful king over the earth. Jesus has come to be the king, and therefore, the only right response is for all of us to submit to him as king, to turn from the lies we've been living in sin and disobedience, and to turn to following Jesus as king. But even as we seek to apply Jesus' instruction to listen well, Jesus tells us that we are only able to listen well if God gives us the ability to listen well. That's our second point for today, God's gift. We are only able to listen well if God gives us the ability to listen well. When explaining to the disciples why he spoke in parables in verse 10, Jesus responds first by contrasting between two groups of people, between you and them, between the one who has and the one who has not. Look at verse 11. And Jesus answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given to you and to them. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, you and them, the one who has and the one who does not have. And Jesus is saying something very profound and something very important here. He uses the word secret, and when he uses the word secret, he doesn't mean something that can never be known. He means, he means something that is waiting to be revealed. And what he is saying is that the only way to understand what is being revealed, the only way to move from hearing to understanding to applying the secrets of the kingdom of heaven is that we need new eyes and ears and heart. God is the only one who can give us new eyes to see him for who he truly is. God is the only one who can give us ears to hear his words, not just as words, but as words of life. God is the only one who can give us new hearts which want to follow him. Jesus is telling us there's a difference between knowing information about God and knowing God in relationship with him. He's saying that we can know everything there is to know about the Christian faith. We can have all Bible trivia. We can even be Bible scholars and still not see God for who He truly is. Because for that, to see God for who He truly is, we need new eyes. We can't do that on our own. And this has important implications for how we live our lives, isn't it? When we come to God's Word, do we depend on the new eyes He has given us to see what He is revealing in His Word? Even as I was preparing for this sermon, as I was studying, I had to keep asking myself, am I relying on myself or am I relying on God? Even as we listen now to God's Word being unpacked, are we relying on ourselves or are we relying on God? Do we depend on God's Spirit to help us press His Word into our heart? Do we thank God for giving us new hearts that even want to follow Him? But even as we talk about the haves and have-nots, this passage reminds us that not everyone has new eyes to see. 
Because the world is divided into two groups of people, those who have new eyes and ears and hearts and those who do not. Those who follow Jesus and those who reject Jesus, those for whom following Jesus is the only life that makes sense and those for whom following Jesus makes no sense at all. And we're reminded about this every day, aren't we? I have a friend who was audited by the CRA because they found it suspicious that someone would give so much of their income to charity. And that charity was her church. Another friend shared a story about a student of his who couldn't get a visa to enter the country to go to seminary because they looked at what his occupation was and how much he was earning and they said no one would give up such a well-paying job just to become a pastor. They couldn't see it, could they? But that's because they didn't have eyes to see. They didn't have a heart to understand. Without new eyes and ears and hearts, a life that follows Jesus will make no sense at all. Understanding this, understanding why people act the way they do, is so important for us in how we respond, isn't it? Because when we understand, it's not because they won't, it's because they can't, the right response is not to stew in frustration or defensiveness or even anger. I'm not saying it's easy, but the right response is compassion. Jesus put it so well when he prayed, even as he was being nailed to the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. It's not that they won't, is that they can't. People respond the way they do because they just can't see, because they can't understand, because they don't have new eyes and ears and hearts. And so our right response, even as we work through our frustration and defensiveness and anger, is compassion. But not just compassion, but urgent compassion that Lord will give them new eyes. When we are confronted with opposition, we need to have an urgency. Lord, give them a heart to see that, what, that following Jesus is the only life that makes sense. Lord, would you, the only one who can open eyes, open their eyes. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Help them to know. And for those of us who are praying for someone to come to know Jesus, or perhaps those of us here who are wrestling with, with faith in the first place, who are we relying on to come to faith? It can be painful. It can be frustrating. It, it can make us feel so helpless, can't it? Because this parable confronts us with the reality that we can't force anyone into the kingdom of heaven, not even ourselves. Only God can give someone new eyes, new ears, new hearts, to see, to hear, to understand, and to want to follow Him. And today is an application of our passage. Perhaps you could come to, cross, to the cross to pray, to pray for yourself, to pray for that loved one that you are praying for, that God would do what only He can do. But even as we acknowledge that we are completely dependent on God for new eyes and ears and hearts, let our faith be strengthened by God's heart. By God's heart for the lost. For God's overwhelming, overflowing, extravagant kindness to all of us. 
Verses 13 and 15, when Jesus explains why he speaks in parables, there is a way of misunderstanding and misreading verses 13 to 15 that lead to the wrong conclusion, to the wrong conclusion that God wants people to stay lost. Now, I can understand how we we come to the conclusion, but I need to be clear, that's the wrong conclusion, and I want to unpack that a little bit. Look at verse 13. Jesus says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. I want to be crystal clear about what's going on here. Jesus is not saying that he speaks in parables in order to make someone lost. He's not saying that. He's saying that he's speaking in parables to reveal how lost people are. We need to see the difference. Jesus isn't speaking in parables in order to make people lost. He's speaking in parables to reveal how lost people are. Parables are not the cause of people's inability to see and hear. They are diagnostic. They are to reveal that we can't see and hear. It's like taking a hear- one of those hearing tests that are supposed to test how our hearing is. You know, you know, they put the headphones on you and then there'll be sounds that come through and if you hear it, you're supposed to raise your hand. These tests, they don't cause problems with hearing, they reveal problems with hearing. And that's what's happening here. Jesus is speaking in parables to reveal our need for new eyes and ears and hearts. Christ City, in this parable, do we see God's kindness revealed? Because God doesn't have to reveal to us that we have a problem. He doesn't have to pursue us to tell us that we have a problem, even when we reject Him over and over again. See God's kindness in action here. Even when we are far away, He pursues us. Even when we reject Him over and over again, He comes after us again. Even after we break His heart, He still forgives. He calls us. He tells us, there's a problem. Come and hear the message of the kingdom. Christ City, far from being a God who doesn't want us to hear, the whole point of this parable is that God wants us to hear. He reveals to us there's a problem and He wants us to hear the only solution. See God's kindness, not just in revealing our need for Him, but in revealing Himself to us. Because God didn't have to reveal Himself to us, but He did. God revealed Himself to us by speaking to us, but He also revealed Himself to us by becoming one of us, by coming to earth to live among us. The fact that we even have parables to study in the first place, the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself, teaches in parables should should actually blow our minds. Because it's a reminder that He lived among us. It's a reminder that He fully identifies with the everyday, mundane details of our human experience. Think of it this way. God is the God who created everyone and everything. And how does He teach us? He teaches us with stories about seed and soil and sheep and parent and child and boss and subordinate. Which reminds us this, Jesus teaches us in stories that we can identify with because He came to live on earth to identify with us. Jesus can teach us in stories that we can identify with because He came to earth to identify with us, 
Teacher, Jesus teaches in parables because he came to earth to meet us where we are, teaching us in a language we understand through stories that we can identify with, stories about seed and soil and farming and finding things we've lost. See God's kindness and heart for the lost. But I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that there is judgment. When we look look ahead in our passage, verse 14, verses 14 and 15, they are quoting the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who lived long before um, Jesus um, came to earth, and his what he saw and what he and he recorded all the things that he uh, wrote are recorded for us in the book of Isaiah. In, in quoting the book of Isaiah in verses 14 and 15, there are reminders that there, are, there is judgment. There are consequences for constantly, consistently, repeatedly turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to God. But we need to see this. Judgment is God simply giving people what they want. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 6, and the context of Isaiah 6 is that Israel and Judah, God's people, have been repeatedly turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to God. So when God judges them, God is confirming them in their repeated, freely chosen decisions to reject Him. The writer C.S. Lewis puts it this way, at the end of all time, there will be just two groups of people. People who say to God, your will be done, and people who God says to them, your will be done. At the end of all time, there will be two groups of people, those who follow and those who reject, those who say of God, your will be done, and those who God says of them, your will be done. And at this point, I need to acknowledge the question that some of us are asking, perhaps many of us are asking, if we are completely dependent on God to listen well, then what's my role? What what am I supposed to do? And this is where we need to see part of living the Christian life means living based on what has been revealed to us and trusting God for for what we do not understand. We do not understand how God's sovereignty over all things, His control over all things, and human responsibility come hand in hand. But God says they come hand in hand. And so we need to learn to hold them in tension and live both of them out. Our role is to obey God based on what He has revealed to us and trust Him for what we do not understand. Our passage tells us that we are completely dependent on God to help us to listen well. But it also tells us that we have a responsibility to listen well. He who has ears, let him hear. So even as our knowledge of what God is like gives us the right posture, we also have instructions to give us the right action. And the action is our responsibility, which is our third point, our responsibility. Even as we, as we learn how to listen well, our parable gives us four lessons on how to listen well, on how to carry out our responsibility of listening well. First lesson, there will be obstacles. There will be obstacles. There will be obstacles to hearing and and living out God's Word. So listening well means we need to prepare for those obstacles and we need to prepare to overcome those obstacles. Look at verse 20. 
As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. There will be tribulation. There will be persecution on account of the gospel, which means there will be difficulties in life and pressure from people as a direct result of trying to be faithful to God's word. People will treat us differently when we live according to God's word. We will suffer as a result of following Jesus. Scripture calls us not to be surprised by that, but to be prepared for that. Sometimes the obstacles are not directly a result of following Jesus, but they are things that can result in crowding out following Jesus. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. There are lots of things in the world to worry about and if we are not careful, the cares of the world will pile up and choke our walk with God. Often we don't mean for it to happen and so it happens often without us realizing it and the parable tells us to be prepared for it. It tells us to prepare to make sure that we do not let the urgent choke out the important. That we do not let what we are, what our worries for provision choke out our trust in the God who provides for our every need. To watch out that the cares of this world do not choke out following Jesus. This is something to watch out for, especially in seasons of transition which bring new cares and new routines. And even as we transition into the summer, and, and many of us prepare to transition into new cares and new routines, I want to put this on our radar. New school, new job, new city, new friends, new relationships, new hobbies, perhaps new family situation new children. It, it's so easy for new cares and new routines to slowly choke out faithfulness to God's Word. We, we, we often don't realize it, but then suddenly it's been two years and then we've been slowly drifting away from a life of faithfulness. Jesus doesn't just talk about the cares of this world. He talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Meaning the, the, the promise that riches give that they can give true happiness. The, the misunderstanding that success in the eyes of the world is all that matters. In our desire to get more and more, has the deceitfulness of riches choked out our desire for God? Have we compromised our integrity in pursuit of success? Have we compromised what is obedient in order to get what is pragmatic? One way to check ourselves is this. If the only reason why we are doing something is because everyone else does it, or because nothing bad has happened so far, maybe we should take a second look. I remember one of the companies I used to work for, I, I, I asked my, one of my bosses, why do we do this? And he just said, well, everyone else does it. Well, everyone else does it. You want to stay in this industry, you have to do that. 
Has our desire for what we want crowded out what is right? Has our desire for success crowded out our desire for God? In today's hustle culture, have we become so busy with not just our main activity, but all our side activities that we no longer have time to read the Bible and pray every day? Where do our minds drift to when we have nothing else to think about? What are the topics we are burning to talk to other people about? Have our schedules become so full that church on a Sunday has become optional? So I need to say something about church on a Sunday. Gathering as a church on a Sunday is not optional. God's word is clear. God's people are together together every week. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. It can be a Saturday, but it's usually on a Sunday. If you... If you've been living under the impression that God's word is unclear on this, I'm happy to have a chat. And let's just let's just talk through and see what God's word says. I also want to be clear: gathering together with God's people as a church every week does not save us. It doesn't save us, but it gives an indication of where we are in our walk with God, doesn't it? Gathering as a church together on a Sunday like we are doing right now, it doesn't save us. But it says a lot about where we are in terms of the cares of the world and whether God's word has taken root in our hearts. Now, I want to, I want to be clear and say that I understand there are lots of kids' programs that happen on a Sunday. We don't have control over the sports schedules and all that and sometimes they happen on Sundays and sometimes our work requires us to work on Sundays. So I don't want to prescribe precisely what faithfulness and obedience looks like, but I just want to point out that we need to pay attention to Jesus' instruction here. Pay attention to make sure that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches do not crowd out God's word in our lives. So that was the first lesson. Second lesson, the gospel produces fruit. People who hear and understand and apply the gospel will bear fruit in their lives. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. Before we go on, I just want to point out, I love the fact that how the same seed produces different amounts of fruit in different people. It's it's such a reassurance to me that I don't need to compare myself with others. I just see how God is working in me. We learned in the parable of the talents last week, God gives more to some and less to others and he only expects us to be responsible for what he has given us. But we also want to be clear about what fruitfulness looks like. Fruitfulness means living lives that increasingly follow the kingdom of heaven rather than the kingdom of this world. Bearing fruit means living lives that are rooted in repentance, rooted in turning away from sin and disobedience and turning to following Jesus. In Matthew 3 verse 8, Jesus put it this way, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit that is based on being rooted in repentance. For some of us, this is a much needed encouragement, isn't it? 
An encouragement for us to look back on our lives and be encouraged by how the gospel is slowly bearing fruit in our lives. When, when we are, it's so easy to get discouraged by, by imperfections, by how we have fallen short, by how we fail on a daily basis. And this is a reminder that the gospel bears fruit. It's a reminder for us to look back and assess and be encouraged by how your life is slowly bearing fruit that looks more and more like the kingdom of heaven rather than the kingdom of this world. Sometimes we can't see it, we need others to tell us, which is one of the beauties of community. Ask someone, is there fruit in my life? For some of us, this is an encouragement, but let's also be honest, for some of us, this is a warning. For some of us, you look back on our lives and there's been little fruit. Perhaps no fruit. Listening to God's word means being intentional in hearing, understanding, and applying God's word. And applying God's word means change. Change as we turn away from sin and turn towards following Jesus. This parable is a warning for all of us who have had no change in our lives. Where there's been no fruit in keeping with repentance. What passage of scripture have we been meditating on this week? What area of our lives have been challenged by God's word this week? What truth about God are we wrestling through this week? If not this week, then this month. If not this month, then this year. These last two years, these last five years. It's not enough for us to just read and listen to content if this content is not changing us. Today's passage calls us to go beyond just, re beyond just reading and hearing to understanding and applying. Third lesson, people respond differently to the gospel. The four different places that the seed falls on remind us that people will respond differently to the gospel. Some will hear the gospel and it will not make any difference whatsoever. Some will hear the gospel with joy and excitement, but then something else comes up and they drop Christianity and move on to the next thing. For those of us who are involved in Christian summer camps this summer, don't be surprised when some of your campers seem to respond with interest, but then when summer ends, they just ghost you. Some will seem to, ex to accept the gospel until the cost seems too painful. Some will bear fruit, and some people will bear more fruit than, uh, than others. This parable is a very helpful reminder for, for us as we look at our own lives, but also for us as we share the gospel with everyone else, as God used us to sow seed as well. Different people will respond differently to the same message. Don't blame yourself. We, we watch and ask and, and do our best to make sure what we share is faithful and contextualized. But even as we do that, as we learn how to share the gospel well, as we learn how to sow well, know this, different people respond differently to the same gospel. But even as people respond differently, we need to be careful not to read or apply this parable in a way that we're not supposed to. 
The point of this parable is to instruct us to listen well and to prepare that different people will respond differently to the same gospel. Our role is not to decide who is saved and who isn't saved. There is a temptation to read this parable and try to figure out who is saved. Who is truly a Christian? The, the person who is on a rocky ground, is that person a Christian? That person who seems to have thorns in her life, is she saved? Oh, that person who seemed to come to, who seemed to respond so well to Alpha and has not, we've not seen them in one year, is that person really a Christian? That, that person who was, seemed to be walking with Jesus so well and then when he, he got a new job, he just turned completely. Is that person saved? Christ, you that, that's not our job to figure out who is saved and who isn't. Ultimately, there are two categories of people, those who follow Jesus and those who don't. But our job isn't to decide who is in which category. Our job is to listen well and preach the gospel. Our role isn't to decide who is saved. Our role is to pray that everyone will be saved. Our role is to listen well and to pray that God would change all of us to be good soil. Because without the supernatural intervention of God, all of us will reject Jesus. I mean, look at the disciples. At some point, you read through the Gospels, they were all like the path that the seed fell on. They just rejected Jesus outright. At some point, they were like the rocky ground that the seed fell on. They fell away because of persecution. Without the supernatural intervention of God, all of us will reject Jesus. None of us will be like the good soil. Only God can help us to bear fruit. Fourth lesson and final lesson, the gospel is worth it. That's a question we're asking ourselves, isn't it? Why should we listen well? Why should we submit ourselves to the kingdom of heaven? Throughout the gospel of Matthew, which our parable is from, Jesus didn't just call us to submit ourselves to live in the kingdom of heaven. He also tells us why. And the answer is this, because living in the kingdom of heaven is better than anywhere else. Chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, we learn that the kingdom of heaven is the place where, the only place where everything wrong we made right. Chapter 6, we learn that the kingdom of heaven is the only place where we will get true treasures that will last forever. Can you imagine that? Chapter 8 tells us that Jesus isn't Jesus is the only one with authority to be king. But then we jump forward to chapter 11 and we see that Jesus is not, the, he's not only the king, he's the good king. He's the king that none of us ever expected or even imagined. He's the gentle and lowly king, the only king who can and is, and is the only king who is willing and able to give us true rest for our souls. So precious is the kingdom of heaven that just a few verses later in chapter 13, you know how the kingdom of heaven is described? It's like, a, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. It's like a pearl of immense value. The, the point is, 
not just to listen well, but why we should listen well. And the answer is this, when our eyes have been opened to see how precious the kingdom of heaven is, when our eyes have been opened to see Jesus in all his beauty, we want nothing else than to listen well. We want nothing else than to give up everything we have just so we can follow him. The point of this parable is not just listen well, it's listen well because Jesus is worth it. Praise God, there is no greater life than living in the kingdom of heaven. Let's stand as we respond to God's word.